Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey guys, it's Candice and Kayla, and we are Directionally Challenged. Yep, we thought we would have it all figured out by the time we were in our 30s. But surprise, we don't. We don't. No, we don't. <laughs> and we it's okay. Don't. It is okay, right? Am I am I right, Candice? Is it okay? You are right. It is okay. <laughs> I'm really grateful that we're taking the time to discuss this subject matter today. Uh, for our listeners, we are discussing postpartum depression. You know, Kayla, you and I have talked about whenever, when you were pregnant last time and I've been pregnant this time, we want to highlight, you know, part of the pregnancy journey, which we've done a little bit this season. And, you know, we did last season with you as well. Mm -hmm. um, but this was a subject matter that neither of us really brought up. And it was actually brought to us by mm -hmm. Nora McInerney, who was a guest on our podcast a few weeks back. She um, has someone that she is doing a podcast with and who she's known for a very long time, who's also been a guest on her podcast. And she said, I really think that you guys should sit down with my friend, Danielle. Um, and she has a very um, personal postpartum depression story and has gone on to share it. And if this is something you guys would want to talk about. And it was definitely a realization of, oh, yeah, we 
just like it's so easy to ignore the realities of postpartum depression and preparing for that when you're actually pregnant, I realized, oh my gosh, we had done the same thing on this podcast. (laughs) We'd avoided it. That's why it's so important to discuss because it's not discussed enough. You and I have both had children and been had a postpartum and we still didn't think to have a discussion about it. Nationally, postpartum depression affects one in seven mothers. Um, how I, I know that, you know, neither you nor myself, Kayla, experienced any sort of diagnosed postpartum depression. So just to make that very, very clear. Um, and it was still really hard that fourth trimester. I mean, do you have things that you think of and moments that come up for you that um, you weren't prepared for after baby was born um, where you had to kind of check yourself to make sure that you were okay or other people were checking you to make sure that you were okay? Well, it's funny you ask that because you prepare so much for the baby's birth and um, you take all the baby classes and you are taking care of yourself while you're pregnant, making sure you're eating the right things, all of these things. But then it's really hard to prepare yourself for the few weeks right afterwards because there's such a lack of sleep and you are a shell of who you are, who you once were. You've just gone through a massive surgery. And that's the part that speaking to my husband about this topic, he also admitted that he didn't even think about the fact that I would have just gone through such a traumatic experience. Neither of us really thought about my healing. And so there's so much focus on the baby. You don't think about yourself having to go through all of this. And so the lack of sleep obviously is huge. It was a big fear of mine, but there's so many other factors. There's so many things that need to get done and you're responsible for this new human. And it's, it's really hard to put into words. And that's what I found. And maybe that's why um, it few people talk about it. I don't know. Candace, I know you're preparing for this. Do you feel more prepared now having gone through it the first time and after having this detailed discussion with Danielle, do you feel more equipped to handle the postpartum the second time around? Yeah, I feel like I actually was really lucky the first time around. Um, you know, I mean, and it is immediate, but, you know, immediately postpartum and the whole week following delivery, your estrogen and progesterone will plummet simultaneously. (laughs) Like it's like your, your body is going through a lot, not just physically, whether you've had a C-section, whether you had a traumatic birth, whether you sneezed and the baby just flew out magically and you didn't need a stitch or anything. Um, your body has still been through a lot and those hormones are all going to, um, be going all over the place. Um, I was really lucky, I think, because I knew that I was going back to work six weeks later. And um, we were in a position where even though we knew that we wouldn't have a lot of family around us um, the whole time to be there to help, um, you know, my husband was really adam- you know, vocal about saying, we're going to need help and we can afford a night nurse And so I think we need to do that in order for you to get rest before you go back to work. And that's the only thing I think that got me emotionally prepared to go back and be on camera six weeks to the day um, after giving birth. Like the second I got that doctor's note clearing me for, you know, any sort of physical activity, I was like on a plane with a six week old by myself ready to go film, which is crazy now. I know, but I did the same thing. Six weeks after I went to Santa Fe with Poppy, except I did have Tanner. Tanner was able to come with me. So I felt like I had that support in that sense. But it is, I think, instrumental in my mental growth 
being able to go back to work immediately because it's nice to have something else that you feel as a sense of you. You're not just a mom who just had a baby. There's other forces at play and reasons to get up in the morning. And I feel like mentally that helped me a lot go through the postpartum. So I wonder, I wonder if that has a, is a contributing factor for both of us. But I feel like that actually, by the time I got to work is when things got harder. Like, Mm. I I feel like I, luckily I was able to have someone help me so I could sleep when I needed to sleep. I could have someone else hold the baby when I needed someone else to hold the baby. I could shower. You know, a lot of the things were, that seems so simple, but we're going to talk about in this episode and how necessary they are. And they can actually be, you know, warning signals if you're not paying attention. Um, But the second that I got back to work is when I felt like, oh, I have to be the good girl. That's just like, yes, of course I'll show up to work. Yep. 14 hour days. Yep. You know, and luckily I'm grateful that I had the wherewithal within myself to say, okay, I know that I can call a therapist if I need a therapist. Like I, I had a nanny because I physically needed one. Um, and I could afford a nanny. I could afford childcare. I could afford when I was working nights to have someone else come and help me, um, as a night nurse again with feeding. So I could actually sleep in between feedings cause I was breastfeeding. But that was all very fortunate. You know, I had a job that could pay for all, like I was paying for all of that, but it like all of that helped me. And I also made time for my own social moments with friends. I, I think I got judgment. I think there were some people who judged me and thought that I was maybe not spending like every second that I wasn't at work because I wasn't with my baby every second, but I'd go out to dinner with friends um, and make time for that or just to have, you know, an hour to go get my nails done. Um, I think that I definitely had that judgment kind of thrown in my face later on. (laughs) But I now look back and I'm like, oh no, I needed that. Like that was like, that was my mental health moments was like having dinner with friends or getting my nails done. And it seems so simple, but it's, um, it's hard to have that. And I am really grateful that I had that. And I always get so nervous, um, for friends. Cause I've also seen someone go through postpartum and it's really scary. And it just, you, that person is not recognizable. And so it's always scary whenever I feel like any new, like friend of mine or anyone I know who is a new mother, who's like, Oh yeah, you know what? I'm just gonna, the second the baby's out, I just gotta like get to it because you just never know. You don't know if you're going to be ready to bounce back or if all of a sudden your hormones are going to take you to the dark place, which, you know, Danielle talks about so openly in this episode. That's what's so great is that everyone's story is so different. And that's why we need to talk about it because there is no rule book. There's no by the book. And you guys, we are so grateful to sit down with Danielle because truly her story is so compelling and she is so honest with us. Um, She has more than 15 years of experience as a national media personality. She previously shared her voice under the moniker Danny Starr. She is an educator and communicator fueled by a passion for activism and a natural talent for developing human connections. Miss Danielle has hosted a variety of radio programming and she is a skilled on-camera interviewer and host and is the author of a best-selling collection of autobiographical essays called Empathy and Eyebrows. Most recently, Miss Danielle has brought her robust career experience and skills to the classroom to embark on a new vocation as an educator. She's currently in a master's program at Johns Hopkins University. She's a voice for social justice and active anti-racist 
activist and an advocate for children, especially those forced to view the world through the lens of childhood trauma. She has a new podcast coming out very soon called Help a Human Out. Without further ado, stay tuned for our conversation with Miss Danielle. And we're back with Miss Danielle taking on a subject matter that I can't believe this many episodes in we actually haven't touched on yet. We're going to talk about postpartum depression today. And Danielle, you just said, you know, yeah, this is life saving stuff. And I completely wholeheartedly agree. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us and being willing to share your story. Oh, my pleasure. I'm a big um, proponent of storytelling saves lives. So the more we tell our stories and the more that we can normalize certain things, I'm, I'm all for it. What's funny is I actually remember hearing your episode. Um, we got an email from Nora McInerney, who was <laughs> on our podcast a few episodes back, um, who you're working with now. But I remember hearing your episode um, a while back where you shared your story and your own personal journey with postpartum depression. And this was way after I'd had my first child and I'm pregnant with my second one right now. But I remember listening because I had so many friends who were about to have their first babies and I just, mm-hmm. I just wanted them to hear it so bad. But I never knew how to bring up that conversation of like, hey, not to be a downer, but while you're having like all this fun, like <laughs> picking out, you know, onesies and strollers and burp cloths, um, are you prepared for your mental health post birth? I think that that was the biggest thing for me is that I took so many baby classes. I knew how to swaddle. I knew how to do it all. Okay. I knew how to sit on the birthing ball and I knew what positions I should be in and all these things, but nobody said you have to protect your mental health. Also, like your hormones are going to drop. It's going to be intense and your body may not just get the baby blues. You could full on get postpartum depression or postpartum psychosis. And I had it three times. Wow. I had it three times. It was awful. So you had it with each child? Yes. And and the third wow. child did not survive. And so even when you don't have a baby, even when you're you come home and you're like, okay, I can heal these things, even when you don't have a baby, you still can get postpartum depression. And I wow. I wasn't even prepared for that because I didn't know it was possible. Even after having it twice, I did not know that a miscarriage could also bring on postpartum depression. Well, I mean, women, I feel like finally now at this point, and especially with social media and the internet, women are able to connect and and discuss miscarriage in Mm -hmm. a way that they haven't been able to before, where it's not this idea of like, what did I do? It's, oh, this is something completely out of my control. And so then on top of that, to discuss miscarriage and postpartum depression as a result of that yeah. is a whole other thing that it, you're right, is completely neglected. Um, it's my, it's mind blowing to me because for so long, people would call me like an oversharer, which I mean, I am, but, <laughs> but I, I wear that as like a badge of honor, right? Because for me, I've always believed that when we tell our stories, it allows other people to tell their stories. And then we can normalize some things. We can, um, you know, just make people feel not alone. Mm-hmm. And so I just knew that I was always going to be someone who shared things. And then I got postpartum depression. And it was the one thing in my entire life that I did not want to share. And that was what pushed me through to sharing it. Because I'm like, I'm an oversharer. I share everything. I don't really have boundaries like that. I want to help people in 
every aspect. And then I had this mental health crisis and I didn't want to talk about it. And I think that says a lot about the stigma in mental health in general. Well, that's what's so fascinating about your story is you had hundreds of thousands of followers. You were this on-air personality that so many people loved and cherished. And Danny Starr was the name of Mm -hmm. your on-air personality. And people loved her. She was high energy. She was everything. You have your beautiful baby. You go back to work three days after. Literally. I mean, (laughs) kudos to you. From the house, they actually built a radio station in my kitchen and I was sleeping. And you know what? I was a woman. I I mean, I am a woman, but (laughs) I'm a woman. I'm a mom. I'm the breadwinner at this point. And I'm like, get a phone call at 4 a.m. And I kid you not, it's literally three days after I have a baby. And they're like, hey, we really need you to jump on. And what was I going to say? No. Now, 35-year-old me, that was Danny Starr. Miss Danielle does not play those games. I would have mm-hmm. been like, oh, no, no, that is not happening. I'm going to let my body heal, my mind heal, and my spirit heal, and they'll be okay. But I didn't have that in me. I was 26 years old. I was married and supported, but not in the way that I felt like I could put my foot down. You know, mm-hmm. I was, I'm, I'm a woman. I was raised in a society that tells me, hey, you better just keep going and you got to do this. And, and, and especially in the industry that I was working in, in media, it's not always kind. It's most of the time, it's not as kind to women as it should be. Mm-hmm. So, so especially women with that are pregnant and have a new baby. It's like, mm-hmm. no, no, no. <laughs> like, that's yep. too much. That's, it's like, that's an inconvenience right off the bat. Completely. Right it, off the bat. it was an inconvenience for them. It was, okay, well, when are you going to be back? Or this, they didn't, it wasn't about me, my health or the baby's health. It was like, how do we go back to making this money? And I was like, so oh, before- okay. <laughs> Yeah. Before we talk about it's just to give our listeners a clear picture, um, with your first birth, I know that you've discussed your first pregnancy. I know you've discussed that like it was a great pregnancy that you were thrilled. You always knew that you wanted to be Mm -hmm. a mom, like that there was no like huge hormonal shifts during that period that would have made you think that postpartum that like that fourth trimester would have been a completely different no, I, I had no idea. I was excited. I threw a party about everything. Like there was a gender reveal. There was, uh, oh, I woke up today and I'm, a, I'm three days pregnanter than I was the three days before mm-hmm. celebration. I was, I was the happiest pregnant lady ever. And so right after I had her, and she's eight now, so it's mind blowing to even think about it, but I'll never forget it. It's like, um, I, I've talked to people who used to be obese and they say sometimes when they look in the mirror, they still see, you know, that person, even though they've Mm -hmm. lost all this weight. I have spoken to so many women who have been through postpartum depression. And when you start talking about it, it's like such a traumatic experience that you go right back there sometimes. And you're just like, well, I can't believe I survived that. Mm -hmm. And when I think about it or I go back into like the worst moments of my life, mentally, especially, I'm like, how did I survive that? Especially with no roadmap, with no one telling me any type of details of like how to survive it, how to get over it. Nobody had any information. My best friend was a nurse practitioner and she didn't even know because that's how much people weren't talking about it. 
Right. So you're you're battling basically these two different personas three days after giving birth. You're on the radio being Danny Star. And then, I mean, when you listen to Nora's episode and you speak so openly about it, you are in your what you call darkness Mm -hmm. and you weren't sure what that was. And did you at that time think that this might be postpartum depression or what they called baby blues? Because three days after it was. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know what it was. They no one said anything. I, again, every single baby class, every I, I read all the articles, nothing, and no one said, "Hey, by the way, that hormonal shift could very much cause you to have a mental breakdown. Could cause you some anxiety. Could do this, that." There was no information on it, and so I became a shell of myself. I was a total. I was paranoid. I kidnapped my own daughter. There was multiple layers of this. Right. Tell our listeners that story because that is so fascinating. So I had gotten super paranoid and it it's so crazy because when I think back to it, it all seemed normal while it was happening. Like in my mind, I wasn't like, you're crazy right now and you're not safe or healthy. I was like, oh, we got to kidnap this baby because your husband's going to kidnap her first. Like that was literally the thought process in my mind. And I loved my husband and I trusted him. We went in, you know, and somehow I woke up one morning and I just knew without a doubt that he was going to kidnap our child and take her away from me. And he was from a different country. He's from St. Lucia, but he had lived in the U.S. forever. And he, we were married. We had a house. We had a family. There was no reason for him to go back to St. Lucia for anything. He wasn't trying to kidnap our baby, but I was, I was terrified and I thought he was going to. And I started putting things away to the side while he would, he would go somewhere or go out to the garage or do something. And I would stash things for the moment I could kidnap our baby and get to safety. And finally, about two weeks into me and the the stashing of all the goods, I was sitting there and he came downstairs and he looked at me and he said, all right, babe, I'll be right back. I am going to go to the store. I won't be long. And I thought to myself, well, won't be here when you get back. <laughs> like, and that was normal for me. Yeah. Like I was just like, okay, I, and I, okay, honey, love you. Bye. And then the moment I heard the car pull off, you would have thought I was running for my life. I just, I moved so quick. Everything was in a bag. We were in the car, we were gone and we were gone for days. We were gone for many days. And you didn't tell anyone. This wasn't like reaching out to a friend like, nope. hey, I'm. Th- th- these are the things I'm feeling or telling family. You'd had an entire plan mm-hmm. to save yourself and your infant daughter mm-hmm. from your husband at the time. And then and then essentially and you went to a house that you knew no one was there where yep. you could stay. Mm-hmm. My grandpa was in the hospital at the time and he would be there permanently until he passed away. And so he was gone. I knew I could get into his house. I knew nobody Mm -hmm. would go there. And I stayed there lights off with this little baby. And I know like I wasn't even eating. I didn't shower. And all of this seemed normal. And, Mm -hmm. you know, in my right mind and talking about it now, it's like, how could you ever think that's normal? But when your mind is not healthy, the unhealthy mind is a liar. And it's loud when it lies and it continuously tells you. And even if you maybe don't believe it in the very beginning, when it continues to lie to you over and over again, you start to believe it. And then all of a sudden you're not sleeping, right? And I always tell this story about Salvador Dali. He's the guy who has those really weird, weird warped paintings. I love his paintings. Yeah, I love, I love his paintings too. <laughs> However, 
<laughs> the reason why Salvador Dali's paintings <laughs> look like that <laughs> is because he would hold a spoon, a spatula, some type of utensil in his hand when he was going to sleep, right? And you know, when you're getting ready to go to sleep and you start, your head starts to nod and all of a sudden you kind of jerk awake and you're like, oh, and then you finally relax and you let yourself go to sleep. Well, Salvador Dali did not do that. So he held that kitchen utensil in his hand. And then as he started to nod off and the kitchen utensil fell out of his hand, he was like, oh, that's enough sleep for me. And that's why his paintings look like that because he never slept. He was having a mental health crisis forever. And then there's me who was not sleeping and my whole world started to look like a Salvador Dali painting, legit. Mm -hmm. Like it felt like I was walking through this weird morphed, I can't even explain it. There are no accurate words for it, but it was unreal and terrifying. And I think this is the point where we would typically ask, when did you realize you needed help? But the truth is, in your story, you never realized that your friend who is a nurse mm -hmm. stepped in. And what happened there? So she was out of state at the time, but she was in contact with another nurse that we both knew. And she's like, she's missing they were reaching out with no response. I refused to respond because I just, I was paranoid about everything. I didn't know who was safe, who was not safe. I was scared about everything. And finally, Claire said, that's my best friend. If you do not respond to me, I have no choice but to call the police. I love you. I'm not mad at you. Something is not right, but you have to call me back. And I responded and I said, like, do what you need to do, basically. Like, nope, I'm not doing it. And she's like, can I please send you help. Can Jill come? And Jill was the other nurse. And I said, okay, she can come, but don't nobody else. Like the lights got to stay off everything. And Jill came and she sat with me and she didn't question me. She didn't ask me what was wrong. She just sat with me for a little bit and she asked to hold the baby and she held the baby and she seemed normal when she, like, I did not look like her when she held the baby. And, and my mom finally was able to come over. And when she held the baby and she looked at Marley and she said, you're so beautiful. And I think it was like that moment where I was like, what is wrong with me? Like I hadn't, I had not thought that my baby was beautiful. She was cute as hell. So like <laughs> she was right. But I had not thought my baby was beautiful. I was keeping her alive. She, she wasn't a crier, thank God, at the time, because if she would have been a crier, I kid you not, I don't think either one of us would have survived it. And I say mm -hmm. that a hundred, like I say that because I prayed all the time, please don't let her start crying because although I didn't know something was wrong, I knew that everything wasn't right either. Mm -hmm. it, just, it, it was just this weird warped Salvador Dali painting that I was living in. And so um, I finally did get help, but even during that, the process was long. The healing, I never got back to normal. Like, how could you? It was a new normal. Um, and then it happened again with my second daughter, but I was more prepared. And then it happened with the passing of my son and I was even more prepared. But still, you, it's, it, it hits you so quick and you're there. And even if you have the supports in place and even, you know, you have to be prepared in the sense of you got to have a plan no matter what, because you just don't know. And when your your mind fails you, you don't know what to do because you're supposed to be in sync with your heart. You're supposed to be in sync with your mind. You're supposed to be in sync with your body. And when you're going through postpartum depression or it's evil stepsister, postpartum anxiety, you are not in control of anything. You are completely sick. And it's so easy, I think, for 
women to have all of a sudden they have this child and people are so quick to say, oh, well, they're just tired. Mm -hmm. Like you don't need to shower. Like, oh, you're, you can do it all. You got this. Oh, I'm coming over, but you don't have to do anything, but you're still kind of hosting. And, Mm -hmm. and also not to mention for working mothers that do feel this pressure to go back to work. And so I just want to paint a clear picture for anyone who's listening, who's never known anyone who's experienced postpartum or what that looks like and how it doesn't go over, you know, even though it can feel overnight, there's so many things going on around that can also be contributing factors Mm -hmm. that, um, I guess in ways that I'm trying to say, like to show support to anyone who's just had a baby and, and also parallel to that to also look for those signs. But like what you were just saying, like sleep, like women feel this, pressure to like not have to sleep and if you recognize as like a partner or Mm -hmm. a friend that that parent is not sleeping that's gonna that's a huge huge thing um are are those things that you recognize then going into your um to your second uh, having a second child like did you try to then carve out more time for those things or i was what was that plan yeah (laughs) Yes, I was so ready. I had my best friend come. She came for a month um, and she only was here for a week when the baby was here because the baby was extremely stubborn and decided to just wait it out. But she came for a month to really help me prepare. We had a plan in place. We had people doing check-ins. We knew that food had to, had to happen. Because here's the thing, if you think back to, you know, back in the day and people did not they didn't give birth by themselves. Like they did, but it was such a community thing. Women could heal. Everybody in the neighborhood was bringing food. Mm. Everybody was making sure the baby was taken care of, but also they were really, really thinking about the mom. Like the mom just went through a trauma. It, it's a beautiful thing to give birth, but it is also a very big trauma to your body. Mm. Your body just went through something insane, right? And so people used to take care of the mom. What happens now is everyone's doting on the baby and everyone's forgetting the mom. And not that this is a selfish or a competition because that's not what it is. But imagine having all these amazing, good feeling hormones. And the moment that you give birth, all of a sudden those hormones strip and your your hormones are all over the place. You can't control it. And all the people who were like, oh my gosh, you're pregnant and beautiful and glowing. Now they don't care about you at all. They're only focused on this baby. You don't even have a connection with this baby because you can't because of all these emotions. And now all of a sudden you are completely isolated. And it's so, it's just one thing after the next. And then you're not sleeping and then you're paranoid and then all these things. So my biggest advice to people, um, And I wouldn't even say like pregnant moms, or I would just say, always, always ask if you see a new mom and it does not matter if it's a stranger. Every single time I see a new mom and we're, we happen to, you know, well, (laughs) pre-COVID strike up a conversation. I'm I'm, I'm staying six feet away these days. So it's hard to have these conversations. But when I would see a a mom or especially a new mom, I would always say like, oh, congratulations. How old's your baby? And we, we would talk for a second and I would go, how you feeling mama? How you doing? And I, and it's, a simple, open, you know, and no, someone's not going to say, oh, I'm having postpartum depression, but you can tell. And as, as someone who's been through it, 
You can have a conversation with someone and you can recognize where they are. You can see if they're super anxious. You can, there are these things that you can, you can tell. And I always just check in on, on moms and especially the ones that I actually know, right? I know what it's like to have a baby and what happens afterwards if you don't protect your mental health or you don't get enough sleep. And so I'm constantly checking on my friends like, Hey, um, do you need to sleep? I'll just come over and sit with the baby. Do you need to sleep? What do you, what do you need? How can we help you? How are you feeling? How are you mentally preparing? Like all of those things. Cause it's, it's, it's the most beautiful thing, but it can be scary if you're not aware of it, first of all, and you're not prepared. So speaking of being aware of it, I'm sure some of our listeners, um, may have friends that are going to go through this. Maybe they're going to go through it themselves. Mm-hmm. What are some of the key factors that we can look for both within ourselves and our loved ones? Yeah, I would say um, some of the biggest things that I've seen um, with a lot of different cases of postpartum and and when the last time that I was in the hospital, I actually was in um, a mental maternal health wing. So it was all mothers who had either just lost their babies and were suffering from postpartum or who didn't get their babies right now because their babies were with their partner and they were healing from all the postpartum trauma. Mm -hmm. So one thing that was in common was one that we weren't sleeping at all. Mm-hmm. I think the first thing is is to definitely pay attention to sleep. And even if the mom is like, oh, I want to do dishes or I want to do this or want to do that, that sleep when the baby sleep things, sleep when the baby sleeps thing is a real thing. It is very important. Also, my, my friends started to take shifts. They would literally bring the baby to me to feed. I was breastfeeding. They would bring the baby to me to feed. And when the baby was done, I handed the baby back. Like they were, they made sure that I was sleeping and they checked to make sure I was sleeping. So I would say you definitely have to pay attention to sleep. Also um, self-care. If the person you know is normally a cleanly person and they completely stop showering, okay, a day or two, you just had a baby, I get it. But when you're like three weeks in and you have not changed clothes or you're not changing, you know, and it's normal to that person, you know what a person normally, how they carry themselves, how they smell, how they look, how they feel about themselves. If you see your partner, your partner has not showered for three weeks, your partner is clearly not your partner. This is far more than the baby blues. This is something that needs professional help. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting how it can, just the term baby blues, Mm -hmm. like even there, it's like someone decided to put like some sweet feminine Right. Like, touch to it. Like, oh, it's just the baby blues. It's right. like, no. <laughs> no. No big deal. It reminds me of denim. It reminds yeah. me of like a cute pair of jeans. Legit. Like, right. Yeah. And it's like, no, this is not that. And furthermore, that episode of Terrible Things for Asking came out, I think in 2016. It was a long time ago. It was like four years ago. To this day, it never fails. Every single week, I'm answering emails about that episode. Wow. Every I've- single Every single week, I get I get emails every single week from women who said, "Hi Danielle, I just listened to your episode, episode number four. That, that always I just listened to episode number four of Terrible Things for Asking, and I have postpartum depression. Or oh my god, I had postpartum depression and I had no idea. When mm-hmm. I the third time when I was in the hospital in North Carolina, I was mind blown because I got there. And I knew what it was. I, I, w- I wanted to be there. I wanted to get healthy as fast as possible because I knew how long it could take. And I didn't have, I, I didn't want that again. I was like, let's, let's do whatever we need to do to get this rolling. Come on, help me out, please. And I was all in to get healthy. And when I got there, there was like a list of resources that 
they thought were really helpful for moms um, who were going through what I also was going through. And the nurse handed it to me and she said, you know, you take some time, sit, sit with this. And if you want to look any of these up or you want to watch any of these things, um, let me know and, I, and I'll get access for you. And I said, okay, great. And I looked down at the sheet and on the list of resources was Terrible Things for Asking, episode four. Wow. And it was my episode. Stop. And I just looked at it and I said, well, this is why I can't stop telling the story. Hey guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. It's time to get more in 2024. I know for me, one of my goals is to feel really strong this year. And honestly, so far, so good because that's where 310 Nutrition comes in. It's helping me and our listeners in the new year with protein and super rich food products with so many options and flavors. Right now I have the chocolate bliss and caramel sundae and they are both so <laughs> delicious. I have to hide them from my husband so that he doesn't steal them too. They're a triplex protein blend, plant-based proteins that include pea, brown rice, and pumpkin that leave me feeling full. 310 Nutrition also has a hydrate electrolyte drink mix my favorite is the peach mango flavor. So not only am I hydrating and drinking water, I have an electrolyte blend, vitamin blend, and it's sugar-free. With one stick of hydrate mix into 16 ounces of water, and it can provide the same amount of hydration equal to drinking two to three bottles of water. Thank you. This way I can keep my resolution, keep feeling strong, have greater focus, feel refreshed, 
and maintain my hydration without having to drink as much. One of my favorite refreshing water enhancers they have is the lemonade flavor. It gives me energy. This one's also sugar-free. It's used with real lemons and it's pH balanced. And this also offers the same hydration as two to three bottles of water. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code CHALLENGED and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 for your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products that you know you'll use and will help you keep your resolution. So go to 310nutrition.com and use the code CHALLENGED right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310-nutrition.com and use code CHALLENGED. It's all the good stuff your body needs in flavors you crave. So be healthier effortlessly. That's such a huge decision to battle something this severe internally. And then you make the decision to share it publicly. That has got to be such a huge decision because you know it's going to change your life forever. So talk us through that. How did you come to, how did you decide, yes, I need to share this with everyone? I remember sitting with my midwife and she was like, why didn't, why didn't you tell me? how you felt because I remember going in and I had, I actually was um, filling out the questionnaire. Um, you know, are you sleeping? Yes. Are you this? That I, I, I just remember kept saying yes all the while going no. And I'm circling yes, thinking no. And I go, well, if I answer these questions, they're going to take my baby because yeah. I will not sound normal. But the truth is I needed the help. But what, And that's the other thing you want to screen women, but the fear is like, if I admit to this, then you're going to say my baby's not safe and then you're going to take my baby. And then I'm like, what is, what's going to happen next? So I remember lying on the questionnaire and then I went back weeks later for another checkup and I was a zombie. I was just sitting there and she was like, um, and I remember her questioning different things and she, she was talking to me and I just remember staring at her like, I got nothing for you. Like, this isn't it. I don't know what's happening. And she started asking me the questions again. And finally I started kind of like telling her the truth a little bit. And she's like, why didn't you say any of this? And I was like, well, you know, I was hiding out in the house for a while. (laughs) Like this has been really bad. I'm, this is the first time I'm even letting you know this, like this is, it's been a lot. Right. And she said, it's amazing to me that someone who will share every single thing, you have no filter and you love to help people with your story. She said, I just want you to think about why this one has been so hard to say. And I sat with that. I went home, I processed, and I really, really had to uh, soul search a little bit and dig deep and decide if telling people that my mind had failed me was a safe space Mm -hmm. because that's terrifying, right? right? So I had to really decide if it was something that I was gonna live with privately or if I was going to let other people in and open myself up to that. And I processed and I thought about it and thought about it and thought about it. And I woke up and I remember feeling like everything you stand for is helping people. What if this saves just one woman's life? Just one. It will matter. It will matter. And the biggest thing was, and and I'm not proud to say this, but um, perspective is everything. And and you grow and, and you learn to not judge people, right? I remember thinking about like the women who had murdered their kids 
right? And I remember being young and just like naive and not understanding anything about it and just being like, well, there's a special place in hell for them. And then I was one of those women. And I honestly could have murdered my daughter. I could have killed myself. Like it was that bad. I wasn't myself. I was a shell of who I am. But the fact that I judged women without having any idea what that was like, having lived through it, having had any inkling of what that was, devastated me. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I owed it to those women who I had judged so harshly, who are spending their lives in jail now, you know, for an illness and who did something awful, but I'm willing to bet like they're suffering big time. And that mental health piece is so important. And so I felt like I owed it to those women. And I felt like I owed it to the babies who didn't survive because, um, because I, I know what that's like now. And I know how it feels to be there. And I know that you're really not in control of any of it. But I also know that you can come back. Every story isn't an awful ending. I didn't hurt my child. I did lose my mind a couple of times. And that's okay because I got it back. And, um, and now I have to tell the story. And, I, and I'll tell it all the time. And does it make my stomach turn a little bit? Absolutely. Do I still feel like that? scared woman sometimes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I do because it's literally PTSD. You remember certain things, things trigger you. And all of a sudden you're right back there. And my third pregnancy, um, I just remember being like, okay, let's gear up for this. Like it's, you know, this, this could be war. Um, and it actually saved my life, which was amazing um, because when you're in it, it's so difficult, right? You're just like, oh, I lost this baby and now I'm in this hospital. And I was there for days. Like I was there for, I believe, nine days in the hospital um, in the mental maternal health wing. And as awful as the loss was and as awful as going through the postpartum depression was, it was really transformative and I don't want to say I'm glad it happened to me because that just sounds crazy, but I'm glad that I pushed through that freeze moment, that moment of like fight or flight or freeze, right? I froze for a minute and I was going to be stagnant and I was never going to tell anybody because I was scared and I didn't want to be judged. And now I feel like, thank God I told my story. Like, thank you, universe. Thank you, baby in heaven. Like, thank you for pushing me to, you know, that like, I just have to tell this story because of the emails I get every single week from an episode that aired four years ago. It's, it's important. Well, and I think it's important to also vocalize something because it means like, oh no, this was real. Like I didn't make it up. This, this mm -hmm. happened and this happened within me and, and, and it's okay. Like, and, and yeah. this happens to other people too and giving it a name. So it's not like that this is something that you brought upon yourself no. in any way. Mm -hmm. um, is there, did you feel, I mean, it's also when you're talking about your, um, your first uh, experience with postpartum depression. I mean, just that that was at a time when also no one was on Instagram being like hashtag we're all in this together of like nope. you know it's okay to cry breastfeeding hurts postpartum depression's real like, none of it you know and also 
was there any element of the fact that like just to have a baby as a black woman or person of color, you are three times more likely to um, have complications at the hospital. Was there any sort of element of also feeling like, am I going to be believed if I start, you know, sharing about this? Did that come in at all? You know, it's interesting that you say that because um, a couple of things about that birth, right? I, my water, I was induced for my first birth because my blood pressure kept going up. And so I went in for my 38 week appointment and the doctor was like, yeah, you're not going to go home probably. And I was like, mm, yes, I am. Like, I literally, like we, we had, I was like, no, I'm going to go home. And he was like, yeah, no, you're not. And so I went to, I, he, he told me, okay, well, you can go home, get your stuff. Cause I was not planning on having that baby that day. And he said, you can go home and get your stuff. And when you come back, um, just know you're staying, you're going to have a baby. And I was like, oh, okay, no. So we went to the hospital and, and I was getting, I was, I was like hellbent. Like it's, this is not happening. Went to the hospital and I was monitored for a few hours and even laying on my side, my blood pressure just kept going up and they were like, okay, you're going to have to have this baby. And so they started to induce me. Um, and then the next morning, and this is, this is all a part of like the system, right? So the next morning, um, I'm kind of in labor overnight, but just like really low key, nothing, nothing very eventful. And in the morning, the doctor checks me and without telling me or asking me, he breaks my water. Ooh. Ooh. Without and telling for, me, without yeah. asking me, he reaches in and he breaks my water. And my nurse practitioner best friend is in the room and she is mortified she cannot believe but she also doesn't want to panic me but she knows like now when you you know you break someone's water like the risks all go up um there's so much bacteria there's all these things that could go wrong um i'm very fortunate in the fact that i progressed i had my baby everything was okay but I was not asked. I was not consulted at all. And then afterwards, when I found out like what was happening, it was so quick. Like, yes, all those things come into play. Like as a black woman, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm constantly, constantly questioning things. And it's not because I'm paranoid. It's because I'm a black woman in America and I have seen looks on people's faces and I understand what some of those looks mean by now, because I, I'm 35 and I've seen them a lot. I know what people are thinking. I know what people believe. I know different things, but at the end of the day, there, there was no one else that looked like me talking about it. About postpartum depression. Yeah. Yes. And there wasn't really anybody talking about it. And so I kind of was like, all right, I'm going to step out on a limb here and I'm going to do this. And, and lucky for me, I had had a really, really it's people have been really receptive to hearing about it and talking about it. And they've reached out to me, Hey, my sister's pregnant. I don't want to stress her out, but like, how can I make sure that I'm here for her? And those have been the best messages for me because it shouldn't all fall on the mom, right? You, you, you be pregnant, you carry that baby. You are growing a whole human, like work on that. You're good. But the people around you should rally and the people around you should make sure that they are checking in on you, that they're taking care of you because it is not an easy thing to do to mm-hmm. have a baby. And it's funny because you hear that all the time. It's mm-hmm. not easy. It's so much work. It's and and you're like, yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. As you're pregnant, I get it. I get it. I get it. And then you live it. 
and right. you realize, oh, oh, this is what it's like. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you're right. It's so easy to judge a situation that you've never been through before on so yes. many different levels and yes. until you truly go through it. I always say that perspective is, um, you know, perspective is everything. And that was one of those life defining moments for me when I realized like, okay, I need to learn how to not be judgmental. And and you have to like really dig deep and have some self-awareness to decide that, right? Because you could just yeah. keep going on and judging everybody. And it wasn't just that, like that, that situation really helped me, um, just people live your life, do whatever you want. I don't care. As long as you're not hurting anybody, be happy, do you. But that was a part of that process because I remember being so awful to these women. And then all of a sudden I was one of those women and I was like, oh God, I'm here, right here. I could, I, I could easily be this woman. And that was a moment that was life-defining for me. It was like, okay, um, we got to navigate this differently. We got to help these women instead of judging these women. And when you get these emails still to this day um, from women who, or friends or partners mm-hmm. of anyone who is about to have a baby or has just had a baby, um, having been through postpartum depression three different times, at, at this point, how do you feel? What is kind of the one thing that rings true that you want to make sure you leave with everybody within that email or within that interaction if you, if you do see or meet a new mom? I just think so many times we're stuck in bystander effect. Like we'll just keep walking. Or we'll just keep going. If we see something um, that looks a little weird, we think, oh, I need to mind my business. And sometimes you do, okay? There are plenty of times where you should just mind your business. But when you care about somebody and you love someone and something, and they just had a baby and something feels off, like you know your people, right? The people in your life that really matter to you, they matter to you because you know them well. You will know and you will notice, don't panic, but don't also ignore what you're feeling, right? Calm down, take a moment and assess the situation. Is it an emergency or is this something that we can handle tomorrow or set up a meeting to talk with family to get everything worked out? But what you can't do is bystander effect and say, somebody else is going to handle this because that somebody else might not come. And somebody has to, because what I can tell you more than anything, every single person who's ever emailed me, who I've ever had a conversation with, I've showed up to support groups. I've said it over and over again. Postpartum depression is awful. It is one of the worst things I've ever experienced. I sat next to a military vet. She was amazing. She fought in war wars and she talked about everything. And she said she would rather go back to war than ever have postpartum depression again. And when she said that, like my head snapped and like I looked at her and I just like, my eyes just got so big. And it's because for the longest time, I wanted to describe it like going to war, but I had never been to war, right? So I didn't feel like, I felt like that was a disservice. Like, I don't know what it's like to go to war. I know what it's like to deal with this awful thing, but I always wanted to tell people when they were like, what is it like? What is it like? And I wanted to say like, well, I imagine it feels like going to war. Like what you, like you, it's just such, it's a fight. Like it's hard. And when she said that, she said, well, I'd rather go back to war than do this. And I was like, oh shit, this is worse than war. Like, 
This is what it is. Like, this is how to describe it. So I would just say that you have to not ignore it because if you ignore it and you're, you're seeing little sound, signs and you're seeing little things and a person is acting differently. And first of all, a good friend is going to thank you for checking in on them. And, and you'll know, like you will know, you will know. Everybody knew around me. They just didn't know what it was. Right. And the thing about you say going, it's like going to war. When you go to real war, you have a specific enemy. When you're going through postpartum depression, your enemy is yourself. Yep. So that has got to be a whole other level of complicated. Ooh, it is. Um, ah, I, it's just so hard to explain the trauma of your mind. Like this thing that you know, you know how your mind operates. I know what I like. I know what I don't like. I know what TV shows I love. I know, you know, the th- you know what I mean? I have a personality and I know that personality. Like I know her well. I didn't know who the hell this woman was. And I was still her. Like I was like trapped in my body, but everything was different. I didn't love my husband. I didn't like my daughter. I didn't, the food, food, what is that? I don't like it. I can't, I didn't know how to exist in my body after I had a baby. Like everything felt uncomfortable and I couldn't figure it out. And so I'm so glad that there were, you know, people that just fought through it. I'm so, so glad that my best friend Claire was like, something is not right. And she couldn't name it. She couldn't name it. And that's okay. Cause you might not be able to name it, but you got to pay attention when something is not right. People always are ignoring their damn intuition. And I got to mm. tell you that you have to trust your gut at all times, trust your gut at all times. Cause it very rarely lies to you. Well, and thanks to all of that, because then you do end up rebuilding yourself and you are able to come back. And the person we're speaking to right now is absolutely a different person than who you're describing to us, you know? And so on, and on that note, I do, whatever happened with your radio job, did you ever end up having to, did they put up with you and you were in the kitchen the whole time doing the thing? Or did you have a humiliating exit? I had a couple different exits. Um, oh, God, so, really? Yes. So I was in media for 15 years. And at towards the end, I was like, ah, this is, it just doesn't feel good to my spirit anymore. I always wanted to help people. I knew that I wanted to help people. Um, I got a taste of that when I did, you know, terrible things for asking. And I really, really got to talk about postpartum and I was helping people. And then um, every time I walked into a media building, I felt like I was killing a little piece of my soul. It felt like I was Mm. just not doing what I was supposed to be doing. And then um, I was working in predominantly male establishments, predominantly white male establishments. And then Mm -hmm. um, after that, I wound up working with another radio show that had an absolutely humiliating experience. And that happens to us as women over and over again. And finally, I was like, yeah, I can't do this anymore and I need to protect myself. And here's the cool part about it. Because I knew how to save myself before, because I had done it a couple of times, this time around, it wasn't as extreme as the postpartum. But like when you walk away from something after 15 years, it's terrifying, right? right. But I, I was prepared because I had been to hell and back and there was mm-hmm. nothing, nothing that could do any type of harm to me the way that postpartum did. So I was like, oh, you'll be all right. <laughs> like you can survive this. This is easy. Well, you definitely, I mean, talk about 
bouncing back. Now you have a completely different career as a teacher. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. How Which, what a year here? to be a teacher. Oh, oh my, my goodness. Girl, <laughs> you have no a... idea. Whew. But it's amazing. It is absolutely amazing. I'm doing what I love. I have this passion. And then I got, and then thinking I was going to, retire from media, thinking I was going to be done forever because I'm like, yes, this is not it for me. And then I, I love teaching and I love these little first grade babies and they, they push me to my limits and then they love on me like nobody else has loved on me. And it's just the best thing ever. And then Nora McInerney calls me <laughs> out of nowhere. And she's like, Danielle. And she's like, she probably doesn't sound like that actually, but it sounded like that because <laughs> she's like really excited. So it came out. Yeah. Really, Danielle. I'm like, what? She's like, talking just so quickly. And she's like, yeah, da, 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 da. and I, I don't, I'm picking up every other word. I have no idea what's happening. And then all of a sudden I heard her go, so yeah, it's a help a human out. And I want you to host it. And I go, okay, didn't hear any of it. None of it, but I've known Nora <laughs> McInerney uh, since I was 14 years old. We went to the same high school together. She wrote the foreword to my book. She has been such a, an amazing supporter of mine. And I have been, um, cute. Like I love Nora, like as a person, as a, a friend, um, as an activist, as an advocate, like I just love who she is as a person. So I didn't care. I didn't even need to know the details right away. I just needed mm -hmm. to know like, oh yeah. Okay. Yes. And she was like, but I, I'm like, mm -hmm, okay. Yes, Nora. Like everything you do is a good thing. So let's, let's go. And oddly enough, two days before I talked to Nora, I had literally sat down and I was trying to really ground myself and figure out like, what do I want to do? you're teaching, you're also doing a lot of these like anti-racism talks, you're doing all these things. And, but what do you want? Like, what do you want to do? And as simple as it was, I go, I just want to help people. Mm. And I'm like, oh, okay, Danielle, that's really <laughs> like, what are you going to do with that? You get, and I'm like, I don't know. I just want to help people. And two days later, she's like, so I'm doing a, a podcast called help a human out. And I was like, that's mine. <laughs> yep. I just help people. So, and now we're here and I'm so excited. It's amazing. I get to use my voice for all good things. I get to hundred percent be myself, which I've never been able to do completely in any media job. And I told Nora, I said, Nora, I can't do this job if, if I can't be myself entirely, because you know, and especially as a black woman, I've been told to tone it down or why are you aggressive or all these different things. And I said, you can't, she was like, never get you, be you, all of you. Loud you, black you, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> so now that you're back in the media, how do you balance Danny Starr and Ms. Danielle? I don't. Danny Starr is very much retired. Um, and what I mean by that is that she was kind of born at 19 years old. 19. I grew up on the radio. I got right. married. People heard my baby's heartbeat play over the radio. I had my major wow. first big breakup over the radio. It was awful. I like it was, I grew up on the radio. And so after my son passed away, everything changed. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's kind of when everything was switching. And I said, okay, I don't really want to do this anymore. I need to really evaluate what I want. But after that happened, I just knew that one, I didn't want to do media anymore like that. And that I wanted to only, if I was going to do it, it only had to be good things, right? It had to be good things. And so I retired Danny Star. I processed, I got off of social media for a year. Whoa, I know, right? How, how? I got That's off of amazing. social media on everything, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I got off of social media for a year. Um, I had gotten a taste of it because when I was in the hospital for nine days, we didn't, we weren't able to use like social media or anything. And I felt at peace for the first time in a really, really long time. 
And so I noted that. And then when I got out of the hospital, I thought to myself, okay, you really got to regain some control. You have to go private for a little bit and just see what it's like. And so in the process of me shutting down, like all my accounts, like completely gone for an entire year, um, I realized that Danny Starr was awesome. But sometimes when, when you have a persona like that, people want to hold you in a box and they won't, when you grow, you don't fit them anymore. And so then they're mad at you, right? Mm. Because you grow, but everyone's not growing at the same trajectory. And so I'm growing and other people are like, who is she? I don't recognize her. Well, I don't recognize myself either because I'm growing. But that's the thing is I want to grow. Um, but I found that people would be like, well, why would you say that? And, da, 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 da. and I'm like, because I'm not a one dimensional person. I'm very multidimensional and I believe many different things, you know, but if you can't allow me to grow through this, then this isn't going to work. Right. And so I took that year off and I knew instantly like, oh my gosh, this is a freedom I've never felt. And I retired her. She is gone, long gone. I love her. She's amazing. And she brought me many, many amazing things, but I'm Danielle. I'm a grown up. You know, um, I'm not that 19 year old little girl who got her heart broken on the radio. I'm I am a whole different person. I'm a whole different person. I'm, a, I'm so grounded in a way that I've never been. And so I'm happy. And you're obviously here to help a lot of people out. And I think you've helped out a lot of listeners today. Thank and you. myself included. It's funny. We've talked on this podcast. There's a bunch of our friends are pregnant at the same time. And whether it's your first, second or third pregnancy, it's so important to remind yourself. And I was already in that routine. Yeah. You know, I'm like seven-ish months along and, and worried about, you know, reading the right baby book. And this was exactly the reminder that I needed to make sure that I have everything ready for my own mental health um, postpartum as well. And so thank you so much for not helping, just helping humans out, but helping us yes, today of as course. well. Well, thank you for sharing your story because you were so brave and we are just honored to um, have you on today. My really. pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. Where can our listeners follow you on social media? If you're back on social I'm media now. On. I'm back on. I'm <laughs> definitely back on. Um, you can follow me at Miss Danielle Farentino. It's spelled exactly like it sounds. Just the MS is the Miss. Miss Danielle Farentino on Instagram. That's where you can find me. And then, of course, still kicking. Uh, still kicking. We are doing the podcast. It's launched by Still Kicking. So you can follow us there too. And Help a Human Out is what the podcast is called. And we are launching really soon, but you can subscribe already. So I'm excited. We can't and... wait. So the thing that I take away from this more often than not is, you know, when you have a friend who has a broken arm, you can tell and you know how to help them fix it. When you have a friend who has, you know, an any sort of injury that you can see, you can help them. The thing about postpartum is that you can't see it. It is not something that you can physically see. So you have to, it, it takes a little bit more attention and, and a little bit more effort to make sure that your friends are okay. And I can tell you right now, Candace, I will be checking in on you probably more so than you want me to, but I don't care if I'm annoying because that is what a real friend does. And I know that that's what you did for me with Poppy. And in hindsight, you know, you're sleep deprived, everything. And someone's like, Hey, how you doing? And it sometimes can be a lot and frustrating, but you have to hold your friends accountable and make sure that they're okay through all of this, because every situation is so different. I love that. Thank you first of all. And secondly, if anyone is pregnant and listening or knows someone who's pregnant, um, I just want to invite you all to, 
you know, especially right now, I know everyone's, it's hard when you can't be around those who you love. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I, I've gotten a lot of, you know, texts from friends or just reaching out from family. Like, what can I do? What can I do? What can I get you, um, for the baby? And especially after recording this episode today, I think that's something we all need to invite into this process of, you know, and even if you want to include it in future baby showers, but something that just really, instead of just showering the mother with support and love while she's pregnant and, you know, asking if you can bring a lasagna, but really holding each other accountable to emotionally support the mother after birth and having those check-ins and inviting people to hold you accountable if you are not showering or if you're not answering your phone or if you're not sleeping or if you're not letting people help, you know, or if you're just not acting yourself. Um, and that that's okay. But the more that we can invite that into this process, um, because it's not just three trimesters, there is a fourth. And that whole first year is also, you know, as you know, Kayla, it's really hard. It's, it's, it's a real thing. It's a real thing. And so if you're listening to this and you feel like you're going through this, or you know that a friend is going through this, we have links in our show notes. So please be sure to click on those and share them and let's take care of each other. Um, I know one of the websites, Candace, you sent that I think is really fantastic is called postpartumstress.com. Um, so just be sure to help yourself and help others. And thank you guys so much for joining us on another episode of Directionally Challenged. Um, take care and we'll see you next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.